Welcome to Killer Intel, where I share some intel on a serial killer that spiked my interest. I'm your host, Elle Cole, and today we're going to be talking about the vampire of Barcelona, Enriqueta Martí Ripolles. Again, Spanish is not my first language, so please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these names. Enriqueta was born in 1868. When she was a young woman around 1888, I'm not sure exactly of the specific year where she moved from her hometown to Barcelona, but it was approximately about that time. So her hometown is Cataluna, and it is important to note that her hometown was known for the prevalence of witchcraft, especially in the countryside, and that's where Enriqueta lived when she was a young girl. At the time, Barcelona was becoming a modern city. However, along with becoming a modern city, there was a lot of sickness and poverty, but there was also wealth to be made. So Enriqueta went out there. At first, she worked as a maidservant and a nanny, but that didn't last long because there's not a lot of money to be made there. So she turned to prostitution and she would frequent the brothels as well as known prostitution areas. In 1895, when she's 27 years old, she married a man named Juan Paluo. But unfortunately, it wasn't a very good marriage because even though she was married, she didn't want to give up her ways of prostitution and visiting these places that were not very reputable. According to Juan, she had affairs with other men and she had a strange and unpredictable character that just wasn't very good to be around. They did reconcile and separate approximately six times during their marriage, and then their final split was in 1907, and he reported they had no children when they finally split. Enriqueta did live a double life. During the day, she dressed in rags, and she begged at charity houses and parishes and convents. She really hung out with the impoverished community. Now, she didn't necessarily need to do this for money. She did this for a very sinister reason. She would hang out with this impoverished community, and she would look for the most abandoned-looking children, the ones that looked really undernourished and needed care. So she would take these children. She Laura, the children, probably we've heard reports that she would say, I've got some candy for you kids. Come on. And she'd take them by the hand and she'd walk them to her flat. And by taking them by the hand, nobody questioned her because she looked like she was, you know, homeless and needed money. And this kid also looked like they were homeless, and needed money. So it looked like her kid. Now, at night she would dress in luxury items. So she would wear, you know, whatever was in fashion during that time, the hats, the wigs, and she would visit areas where the wealthy frequented, like the local opera house. And she would fit in the way that she looked in these places. And she would use this as a way to meet clients because she was known as a procurer of children. And I wish I could say that she would take these kids and give them a better life and, you know, give wealthy kids or wealthy people children through adoption, but that wasn't the case. 
she ran a semi kind of brothel situation where she would procure the children and then sell them um, for pedophilia and other types of horrible things. Her first arrest happened in 1909. She was arrested in Barcelona, but she was in the company of a very wealthy man, young man. Now, I couldn't locate his name. I wonder why. Hmm. And she was arrested because she was accused of running a brothel. Now, she was never tried for this. It was lost in the (laughs) bureaucracy. I mean, she had connections. She knew names. So... My theory, and a lot of people's theory, is it was let go because nobody really wanted to deal with the backlash that it could happen. So once she's out of jail, she's back at it. She's prostituting these children. She's stealing them, kidnapping them. But there's something else that she was doing. And this is where her name, the Vampire of Barcelona, comes in. So she was a practicing witch doctor. And I don't know if this is something that she learned back in her hometown because it was prevalent back there. And I'm not saying that witchcraft is any, there's any negative connotations to it. But the way she practiced it was not good at all. So what she would do is she would make remedies. And these remedies were made from the remains of children, ranging from infants to nine years old. She used fat, blood, hair, and bones, and she turned the bones into powder. So she had no problem disposing of these children when she kidnapped them. So she'd kidnap them, she'd either use them for sex trafficking, or she'd use their bodies some other way by making these remedies. So she said that her remedies would treat tuberculosis. And during that time, there was no treatment for tuberculosis. It was a very feared and it was just meant death. And there's other ailments that they didn't have any medication for. And she said, hey, I got the cure for you. Just put the salve all over you and you're gonna, you're gonna be fine. Now, the theory too was that The fat would make youthful skin, and blood from these children would house vitality and lasting life. It's unknown whether or not these wealthy individuals that were buying these remedies knew what they were made from. Was it just they knew that she was a witch doctor and they wanted to get anything that they could, or did they not care because it was coming from poor children and they didn't look at them as human? Because in those days, and even even still today, sometimes people look at the poor as they're not worthy. So that could be what was going on here. Again, not too much information on how people felt at that time. And she also believed that if you ate the cooked flesh and drank the blood, you can become immortal. So she believed in her own remedies. And it's unknown how many kidnapped victims she actually she actually kidnapped. It was expected to be a large number as she was in business for about 20 years. She did not keep any records of the number of children taken or amount needed for her remedies. So there is no evidence of the exact number of children that were used in her schemes. What led to her final arrest was a mistake, and we see this a lot of times with serial killers, is what gets them is being sloppy. And that's what happened. Enriqueta would kidnap her last victim 
on February 10th of 1912. And her name was Teresita. Now, Teresita might have been poor. Well, she was she was poor and her family was poor, but they loved her. And they did not sit still when she was reported missing. In fact, the whole community for the public, this was the last straw. All these kids have been going missing. The authorities have been doing nothing about it. They've been passive about these missing kids. Even the mayor had issued a statement in 1911 that the rumors that children were being kidnapped and killed were false. So that happened in 1911. 1912, Teresita gets kidnapped. So they're like, uh-uh. You guys are providing false information. So the public is starting to get really upset. They're starting to do search parties and really look for this little girl and get the word out. So seven days later, on the 17th, one of Enriqueta's neighbors, Claudia Ellis, saw a girl with cropped hair looking out of Enriqueta's apartment. She was like, mmm, this looks suspicious. I don't know this girl. Who is this girl? And she's heard about the missing Teresita. So Claudia goes and she asks Enriqueta, hey, is this girl yours? Like, who is this girl? Enriqueta looks at her, doesn't say a word, and just closes the window. Claudia's like, yep, nope, something's weird's going on. So she went down to the mattress maker down the street and she gossiped with him. And she was like, hey, my neighbor, I think Teresita's in that flat. She's kind of iffy. She has strange behavior. I see her coming and going at weird hours, dressed differently. I don't know what's going on, but she's pretty odd. The mattress maker goes, yep, that sounds kind of suspicious. And he goes and he tells the local municipal agent, who then passes the information to the right department. The authorities get this information on the 27th. So 10 days later, they make up this excuse of... Hey, Enriqueta, I think we have to check your flat because we've had reports that you are in possession of chickens. And Enriqueta is like, okay, whatever. And she lets him in the flat. Immediately, they find two girls in the flat. And one was Teresita, who was returned to her parents. But before she was returned to her parents, she gave a statement. And she said that she met Enriqueta out on the streets and she was offered candy and she's like hey come with me i'm going to bring you over here i've got some candy and she took her by the hand and when teresita noticed that they'd went too far and she wanted to go back enrique had covered her with a black bag and forced her into the flat then she proceeded to cut teresita's hair and she changed her name felicidad and told her she no longer had parents and was to call her stepmother. She was fed potatoes and stale bread. And Enriqueta would pinch rather than beating them as punishment. And I'm kind of wondering if the pinching was because she didn't want to damage her property, her investment, and hurt the skin, and then, you know, not make them as desirable if she was going to sell them the sex slave trade, or her the meat for herself. So that's just an idea because that would make sense to me. They were also often left alone. And Enriqueta told them not to go into certain rooms in the flat. The girls, of course, investigated because they're they're kids. They're going to go and explore. And in one of the rooms, they found a sack of girls' clothing covered in blood. 
and a boning knife also covered in blood. With all of this craziness, I get why Teresita never left the flat because that's, I mean, that's pretty scary for a little kid. When questioned, Enriqueta told law enforcement, she was like, yeah, I picked up the girl yesterday. She was lost and hungry, so I just took her in, being the kind woman that I am, which completely conflicted with her neighbor seeing the girl 10 days before. So we know that Enriqueta is lying to authorities, and they know it too. The other girl was named Angelita. Angelita had always called Enriqueta mom. And she didn't know any other mom but her. And before Teresita's arrival, Angelita said that there was a boy named Pepito. She secretly saw her mom kill Pepito on the kitchen table. I mean, how crazy to see the person, the only person you've ever known as your mom murder a little boy on the kitchen table. Just like Nothing, And there was reports that said that she just slid him open just like she was carving meat, that she gave him some medicine so he wouldn't scream. And then she just cut him open. Like it was just another business day for her. Angeletta runs back to her bed like silently because she was, you know, being sneaky and watching her mom and seeing what her mom's doing. So she runs back into bed and pretends like she's falling. She fell asleep because wouldn't you do that, too? If you saw murder happen, you're a little kid. You're like, maybe I'll just fake being asleep and they won't kill me. Enriqueta said that Angelita was her daughter from her strange husband, Juan. Remember Juan back in the story where they were married and he's like, no, she's sleeping with other men and they got back and forth together. Well, Juan said that they'd been separated for years and they never had a child. So a medical examiner was brought in and he confirmed that Enriqueta never delivered a baby. So they go back to Angelita and are like, hey, do you know anything about anything? And she was like, I don't even know my surname. I think my dad's name is Juan, but I've never met him. You know, not much information coming from her. It turns out that Enriqueta stole Angelita as a newborn from her sister-in-law. So she was there delivering the baby and she tells her sister-in-law the baby didn't make it and she takes the newborn. So after all these accounts, Enriqueta is detained at the Rena Emilia prison because of everything that's been learned. The investigation into the flat found a sack of bloody clothes and knife just like the girls reported. They also found another sack with 30 children's clothes and at least 30 small human bones. And these bones look like they'd been torched or in a fire something happened regarding a fire to these bones. The home was smelly and impoverished looking. Everything except a cupboard that housed pristine baby clothes. Not sure the story behind that, but that was just really odd. And the investigators were like, whoa, what's what's going on here? The rest of the house looks pretty trashy, except for these baby clothes. They found some locked rooms and in the locked rooms, They found 50 pitchers, jars, wash bowls with preserved human remains. They had greasy lard, coagulated blood, children's hair, skeletons of hands, powdered bones. And they also had pots of potions, ointments, and salves that were ready to sell. So this was her witch room or witchery room. And they also found that she had used another surname, Marina. 
to rent flats. This way, she can rent multiple flats under different surnames. So they found two more flats that she had rented. And in these flats, there were false walls that had human remains, as well as they were hidden in the ceilings. In one of the gardens, they found a skull of a three-year-old and more bones from three, six, and eight-year-old children. Some of these remains still had bits of clothing attached to them. One of them had a bit of a darn sock, and the darn sock kind of implied that it wasn't a very wealthy child. So that's why they're thinking, oh my goodness, all the stories, all the rumors are true. These are the, the, you know, the poor children that we're finding that went missing. The investigation went further and searched the property of her family. There they found some more interesting stuff. So they found children's remains that were in vases and jars. They also found a book of remedies. There was an ancient looking book with a parchment cover and there was a book of notes and written recipes and potions and it was written in this beautiful calligraphy. There's a package of notes written in a coded language and there was a list of family names that were important figures in Barcelona. This list was very controversial. As the public believed that because this list was created, it's a list of Enriqueta's clients and they were wealthy political people and they would never be punished for their crimes of pedophilia or buying human remains. So the public really believed that the wealthy would, like always, get away scotch-free. In order to quench this public issue before it became a riot. Authorities informed media that this list was just of families that had been swindled by Enriqueta. This is not a list of her clientele, it's just people that she swindled with her lies. During this time, a woman came forward and said she recognized Enriqueta as the woman that stole her newborn. Enriqueta had shown this mother kindness because she was really tired and Enriqueta was just really super nice to her. And she was like, can I hold your baby? And the mom's like, sure, it would be nice, you know, to have somebody just hold my baby and so I can just sit down for a while. Well, Enriqueta made this excuse to get away from the mother and then took off with the baby never to be seen again. So with all this evidence, Enriqueta was like, hey, I'm just using the bones and remains to study anatomy. I'm not doing anything bad. These are just bones that have been found and I'm just studying anatomy to learn more. But as the evidence is piling up, she finally admits that she used the remains as raw material for her remedies, that she was a healer and many sought her expertise, including high society people. And then when they brought up Pepito, remember when Angelita was like, hey, there was a little boy that I saw my mom kill? And that would be Pepito. Both Angelita and the neighbor Claudia reported that they saw him in the flat. Enriqueta claimed that a family gave him to her because they could not care for him. But he became sick and so she sent him to the country. She couldn't prove her statement though when pressed and could not ID the family that gave him to her, could not tell the authorities where in the country she sent him, and the police believed the bloody sack of clothes and the bloody knife were used on Pepito. So really sad. 
And during this time, she's still detained in jail. While she was in jail, she attempted suicide by slitting her wrist with a wooden knife. And the public's like, no, we need to try her. We need to see some justice. We want the names of her clients released. We want everything released of who was in this ring of pedophilia, who bought all these salves made with human remains. What's going on? We need answers. And the authorities are like, hey, we'll keep an eye on her. No worries. We will see justice. Unfortunately, Enriqueta was never tried for her crimes as she died a year and three months after her arrest on May 12th, 1913. Kind of sounds like an issue we recently had. Epstein. (laughs) Not to be political, but it just kind of sounds a little bit of history repeating itself where somebody has names. Somebody can show a ring of pedophilia of all these rich and famous people utilizing children in the most horrific way. All of a sudden, they're killed while they're in prison. So that's a little bit scary. The official statement was that she died from a long illness. However, there's a lot of reports that say that she was beaten to death by her fellow inmates. However, there are still reports that say that she died of uterus cancer. So either way, she died while she was in prison. She was buried secretly in a common grave, which I think is kind of good. I like it when serial killers and people that are just horrible are put in common graves and kind of unmarked so that others in history can't visit them where we should be looking to people that are heroic and visiting their graves. So that was the vampire of Barcelona. That's her story. And she's still very well known in Barcelona. So my sources that I use was murderpedia.org, Wikipedia, hellhorror.com, and vice.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.